Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, a.k.a. Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Friday, January 31st. My name is Jake Luke, and I am joined by a very special guest, a good friend of mine. It is Kyle the Demon Barber. <laughs> That's an Street. interesting middle name, nickname right there. I'll take it. Little, uh, what is it, uh, Sweeney Todd ref, ref for you there? Unfortunately, I'm not a Sweeney Todd fan, nor have I seen the film. I am not the cinephile of the group on our Slack chat. So tale, I won't be able to get the reference there, unfortunately. Todd. His skin was pale and his eye was odd. The most I know is from the office. Well, that's what Andy's I'm taking that play. From. Yeah, no, I didn't see the play or the movie. Although big Johnny Depp guy, so I might have to check it out. Um, but yeah, how, how you doing, buddy? It's been a while since we've uh, talked interfaced like this. Yeah, it's been a long while. I've been doing well. Um, I don't know how many of the podcast listeners know or even the website as a whole, but I'm actually back in college. I got three semesters left until I graduate and get a lovely certificate that says that I went to college, uh, grinding that out. And so it's week two. So syllabus week just finished up. Now we're grinding the tape, as people would say. And uh, I'm enjoying classes thus far and work's been going well between this and my other job so i'm just working hard right now things are going well though college boy i mean i'm pretty disappointed that you're not wearing like a penny in a backwards hat right now though it's not my style and i'm a little bit older than most of the students ergo no penny no backwards hat well it's sick that uh it's friday right now because you know why why is that saturdays are for the boys indeed they are yeah if i'm not working at the restaurant <laughs> you're gonna be down at the frat house just doing keg stands not quite 
Not quite. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. But uh, I don't know, man. Uh, football in a little bit of a weird spot right now. We had a Super Bowl week that was led into by the tragic death of one of the great superstars in pretty much anything in the world with Kobe Bryant. So that's kind of been dominating the headlines a little bit. Not a ton of juice around this game, at least uh, not, you know, from my perspective, 49ers at Chiefs. Uh, what's kind of your preliminary thoughts on this? We're going to get more into it, obviously. But how are you kind of feeling about the Super Bowl week so far? Yeah, unfortunately, Super Bowl coverage really dropped down with the unfortunate passing of Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the, I believe, seven others that were in the helicopter with him. Um, I was I was pretty devastated by it. In fact, um, I uh, I was crying. I'm not going to lie. I, uh, I stayed on the couch most of the rest of that day, and um, I cried off and on all day. You know, Kobe Bryant meant a lot to me. Um, not as like I'm a Lakers fan, because I'm not, but... He was a person that inspired greatness of everybody, inspired you to do what you were great at. You know, he inspired what is known as Mamba mentality, that you you pursue, pursue goals relentlessly. You find weaknesses of others in your competition and you exploit them. You know, you battle. And he taught everybody how to be a competitor for my generation, it feels like. And uh, it hurts, you know, losing him. And Roger Goodell already mentioned that they will be honoring him during the Super Bowl at some point. Uh, I'm semi looking forward to that because, you know, it's it's a sore spot and that's going to be sore for a long time for myself. And I assume many others. Uh, It's been it's been tragic. Uh, Switching focus a little bit to the Super Bowl, as you mentioned, Uh, it hasn't been loud uh, even before that or prior to it, it's two very exciting teams. You know, Patrick Mahomes, last year's MVP, and the star-studded team of the San Francisco 49ers. But it hasn't been all that enthralling. I think that's a little bit because these are two teams that you expected to make it. So there's not as many storylines as is when a different team uh, lands there when, you know, it's the underdog. Like if the Titans would have been here, no, that's not as big of a market in terms of Kansas City versus Tennessee, but that's a huge storyline of can they do it? Can they overcome even greater odds? Can they achieve greatness? Can Ryan Tannehill do that? Instead, it's Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes, and can he just do the same thing he's done against the San Francisco 49ers defense in the same way that can they all compete at the highest level that they've already been doing so for the entire season yeah definitely and uh you mentioned the storylines there and like other specific teams it feels like one of the teams that definitely always brings the buzz positive or negative is the patriots as much as we don't like to admit it there probably would be more buzz around this game if they were playing in it but of course they're still finding ways to dominate the headlines first bit of news here before we jumped on uh we wrote some stuff down that we wanted to talk about but uh prior to getting into all that it looks like uh tom brady was in the news today he was i think down in nashville um in tennessee at least Uh, with his wife and children looking at schools, which that is going to raise alarm bells to like any Patriots fan, obviously, uh, especially with the fact that they've been looking to maybe potentially sell their house in uh, New England. Um, But then he just posted a photo, no caption or anything on Twitter and Instagram and all that. Uh, A black and white photo of him in a tunnel. I think it might be Gillette Stadium. Maybe you can confirm that for me. You're a Gillette guy. (laughs) <laughs> for those that don't get the reference i'm from gillette wyoming and, so not uh, the not the exact thanks. same but not the exact same just drawn parallels close here. probably yeah. the same amount of uh 
uh, population in my hometown as there is in the stadium. That, that works out pretty well. I don't know whether or not that's Gillette Stadium. I assume it is because I don't expect him to be taking photos of him walking around in street clothing and street attire. Uh, I'm even zooming in on the picture. And this just shows just how much he can dominate a headline with a single photo. You know, storylines have been all around him, whether or not he's going to retire, whether or not, you know, he's playing for another team, blah, 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 blah. And a simple tweet 51 minutes ago now has 44,000 likes. It's got 5,000 responses. And, you know, that's going to dominate headlines, whether or not this means he's retiring, like the Marshawn Lynch photo of him throwing his cleats up into the uh, telephone wires. You know, this is... Of course, them finding a way to still be in the news, and it's a little aggravating. I'd rather talk about the Chiefs and the 49ers, but also it's not like I was talking about them a whole lot anyways, nor was the entire you know, NFL media. So maybe this does give a little bit of late-night interest to uh, talking heads and pundits. I mean, it's definitely weird. Like, this comes out of nowhere, pretty much. I mean, it feels like his Instagram, part of it, it feels like it's definitely him. And then there's also another part of it that it's very branded. It's like you can tell his team is kind of running it. And he's, like, doing these little videos and stuff that, you know, like, other people are making for him. And then this just kind of feels like something that he just kind of shoots out. And, like, you know, there's nothing really surrounding it. There's no caption, like I mentioned. So, very weird. I really don't know what to make of it. It feels like at this point that if it were a done deal that they were going to get something done, uh, him and the Patriots, that is, um, which, you know, I pretty much thought a couple weeks ago, uh, if that were a done deal, it, feel, it feels like we would have heard more on that uh, potentially being the case. But uh, this just kind of further throws a wrench into the equation. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely strange. I agree. It's interesting. And we'll find out whether or not it's something greater in the coming hours or days or whatever what so what so have you yeah definitely but uh moving on from that uh first bit of news out of super bowl week we have is that terrell suggs uh is on the kansas city chiefs in case you forgot you might have because he's only been there for a couple weeks after they claimed him uh on waivers heading into the playoffs uh he was discussing the ravens a little bit at the chiefs media day uh saying that you'll always have feelings for your first love and that his thoughts are still with the ravens it kind of feels like he was trying to get to baltimore obviously everyone was speculating on that uh didn't wind up happening but uh he still has some nice words for them at media day ahead of the second super bowl that he will be playing in he loves baltimore Baltimore loves Terrell Suggs, and he's right. You always have, you know, affection or love towards your first love. And he spent well over a decade with the Baltimore Ravens. He produced incredible seasons with them. He's won a championship with them. And that's that's going to mean a whole lot when, you know, you spend over a decade with a team you, you know, and then you leave, go to the Cardinals, you know, his, his home state. That's where he has his house. That's where he stays in the summers, I believe. And then he's only been with the Chiefs, as you mentioned, a few weeks. And so that's, that's going to come into play when people ask, hey, how, you know, how much do you love Kansas City? What would it mean to win a championship here? It doesn't mean as much as the decade of hard work that he had spent climbing the mountaintop of, a, you know, getting to a Lombardi trophy and winning said Lombardi trophy uh, as it would with the Chiefs as he's only been there for, I assume, two months at most. So that's it, it, I think it's special. You know, I like Terrell Suggs. Uh, I met him during uh, my very first year of attending the Baltimore Ravens training camp. Not to brag. Um, 
it was, uh, yeah, it was my very first day, you know, I'm like, I'm going to name drop here. So it was my very first day and I'm absolutely silent. I'm following around all the other reporters. I don't want to get in the way. I was told to pretty much do that, but that was my plan going in, uh, cause I was a little bit shy and nervous and I was 22 years old. And of course I stand right in the way of the podium and the first person that, you know, nudges me in the right direction is Terrell Suggs walking up to the microphone. I'm not paying attention. I'm just looking around trying to take it all in. And he patted my back to try and scoop me out of the way. And his hand was the entire size of my back. And then when I realized it was him, I had realized how foolish of a mistake I made on my very first day standing in the way of the players as they needed to get to the podium. Of course, uh, he's awesome. He's a great player. And it means a lot uh, to, I assume, fans, myself included, that you know he, he'll always care about Baltimore and he always appreciates what he did there and what they did for him. Yeah, I was actually uh, in the south end zone when the Ravens played the Cardinals this uh, this year in week two. And uh, he definitely was echoing a lot of the same sentiments uh, from their side of things. Uh, and when the game, or before it had commenced, he ran down to our, our end zone and he was just kind of, you know... It wasn't like when he goes into another stadium and he's kind of talking shit and trying to fire the crowd up. He just like kind of bowed to us and like, you know, kind of fired us up. And we were like, yeah, like, welcome back, man. Like, you're 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 the man. Like, I, I love him, too. One of my favorite players definitely growing up. Uh, I think I was a little bit a little bit young to really fully appreciate the early days of Ray. Uh, but I think him and Reed were kind of my two guys. And uh, to see him have another chance to grab a ring here, I don't care what team it's with. I'm always going to be rooting for the guy. Something we're going to be talking about uh, in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool to see him kind of show some respect back for the Ravens. Uh, and uh, especially cool that he, he certainly seems like he tried to get back to Baltimore. It didn't quite work out. But uh, if he can really uh, make a run at this thing, then I'm going to be going to be really happy. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Definitely. So moving on, I just mentioned Ed Reed. Uh, this is going to be a fun one for you. You want to explain why? Yeah. So Ed Reed just uh, finalized a deal to become the Miami Hurricanes chief of staff. Sick. 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 I'm really excited about it. Uh, I've fallen out of touch with college football. I've never been a big college football fan, but I do love the Canes. And I do love Ed Reed. Ed Reed's my favorite player uh, in all, of all time uh, when it comes to the NFL. And Miami Hurricanes are my you know, team of choice when I am watching college football, uh, which is not often, unfortunately. And uh, I, hopefully he can turn this around and then we can get you know, another 30 for 30, the U part three which would be fun and they could start winning a few more championships and recruiting more kids from Florida as they had been successful in doing so and establishing, establishing themselves as one of the best college football teams in America. That'd be exciting. I'd, I'd love to see Ed Reed be able to build a college team up to greatness and be a part of it with becoming their chief of staff. Now, I love Ed very much. Uh, is there any possibility that this is just like a McConaughey, Texas situation where he's just going to stand on the sideline and just be cool? I don't think so. I, I did consider that initially, but Ed Ed's a brilliant person as well as a brilliant football mind. There's a reason Bill Belichick drools every time he begins speaking about him. And I think Ed puts in the effort, you know, 100% on everything. Um I thought uh, this was a good move because he, he's the kind of guy that, you know, he argued his own contracts. I don't believe he ever had an agent. I'm uncertain on that. I know that he argued his last few 
I don't know about his first or his rookie deal, but he saved himself a lot of a lot of cash by doing so. And he's an intelligent football mind. He's an intelligent person as a whole. And I believe he'll be able to find similar minds or find a, you know, a, a, a staff and a group of uh, coaches, trainers, what so have you that can help establish something greater than what the Miami hurricanes are and have been as of recently. Yeah, apparently Manny Diaz, the coach there, was the one who signed off on it. And uh, he's a guy who's definitely got my respect. Very smart uh, college football mind. So uh, I think if he's kind of willing to sign off on it, even after Ed didn't necessarily have the greatest coaching run with the Bills, uh, I think uh, that definitely shows that, you know, there, there's some thought being put into this. And I think it's going to hopefully go the right way. I mean, we're going to have to see Miami. They've kind of been flirting with being back and being the U again the last couple of years hasn't all the way come together. So uh, maybe he's kind of the recruiting tool they need to help get him over the top. I mean, that would definitely uh, certainly play into his persona as the the cool guy with the cigars and the hats. I mean, that's going to play well to a a 20 year old kid or whatever. Um, But moving on. Lamar Jackson says that he won't watch the Super Bowl and that he doesn't care who wins. Not a huge news piece, but I feel like I wanted to throw it in there because I feel like you always get this from like Tom Brady. We mentioned whenever the Patriots aren't in the Super Bowl, it feels like he always says that he's not going to watch it. So I thought it was kind of cool that Lamar uh, sort of went out his way to uh, have the same mentality. Lamar idolizes Tom Brady. There's an obvious you know, uh, link to them. They don't care about personal accolades. I don't believe Brady you know, cares about personal accolades. They don't care about anything but championships. That's been a media driven, uh, you know, achievement throughout the last decade or two. That's why the NBA is so looked at as um, uh, a boomer bust league is because the end discussion always has to do with, well, how many championships did he win? How many times were they in the finals? How many times did they win and lose in the finals? And it's always about rings. The talk is always about rings and winning Super Bowls, winning, you know, championships of any caliber of any in any of the sports leagues that are in North America. And he said he wants to win a Super Bowl. He said that from being drafted by the Baltimore Ravens with pick 32 after they traded up for him. He said, I'm going to they're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. He wants to win the highest achievement in football which is a super bowl trophy it's not league mvp for the regular season it's not you know it's not the touchdown passing leader it's not the most yards it's not the rushing yards either he wants to win a super bowl he wants to win as many as he physically can and that's what his achievement is and he's following in what i believe are some of tom brady's footsteps you know he's not a direct uh mentor mentee but he's following in the footsteps of wanting to win championships and doing anything he can to do so. And why would you want to watch the people that uh, beat you or that you did beat, you know, because the Chiefs beat the Ravens, but the Ravens beat the 49ers. And that's got to be aggravating that, you know, you just didn't play your best game and the team didn't play their best game when you had a, a road and a path to the Super Bowl that went through Baltimore. And it's only going to, I believe, fuel him for next year. And I don't blame him for not wanting to watch. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely a tunnel vision type thing. So I thought it was cool to include. Uh, I think Spencer has mentioned that he kind of doesn't really want to hear him touching on the Super Bowl too much anymore, at least next season. He doesn't want to hear that being the thing when you kind of get curb stomped in the divisional round after being the one (laughs) seed. I mean, so I, you know, I kind of get it from that perspective, but he's also sort of maintaining pretty much what he said from day one. So I, I respect him for that. I respect him for calling a shot. There was a lot of talk this week about how Kobe was a guy who 
wasn't afraid to take on the challenge of trying to become Michael Jordan. I mean, every other player that's even been in that conversation has kind of shied away from it, including LeBron. But Kobe was like, no, I want to be this guy. And ultimately he failed in doing so, but he had a lot of other success along the way. So maybe it's a a similar thing for Lamar where he's just kind of setting his sights super high and uh, hopefully landing among the stars. Uh, Nailed that. Um, Sick. Yeah, but moving on, <laughs> the Ravens website, I didn't see the author of this, but they listed the linebackers, the main position represented in some of the recent mock drafts that we've been seeing. Uh, namely, they're pointing to guys like Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray, who are more inside cover linebackers, I believe. What, what are your thoughts on uh, some of the mock drafts pointing them in that direction? You know, in the Slack chat, um, it's been set ablaze mainly by by Vass because linebacker in the first round is a large stretch unless there is a highly successful five-star Luke Keekley Patrick Willis stud. And I don't know a whole lot about college football, as I previously mentioned. I'm just a fan of Miami, and, uh, and I'm hoping they get back on track, and then I'll try and take more Saturday nights off so I can watch football. But until then, um, I, don't, I don't focus a whole lot on the draft. I like talking about the the season the Ravens are going to have. I like writing in season. I like writing about free agency. I think that's pretty much everybody's favorite time that isn't a draft nerd or, or likes to talk and cover the draft and college football. It's always about free agency or the excitement of the season in training camp and OTAs and then getting into the into the season. That's always the highest level uh, of fandom, at least that's what I've seen through uh, the website's numbers. You know, the draft is huge; it's super popular. Free agency is incredibly popular, but the lead up into August, you know, the end of July, August, September—that's when everything is absolutely on fire, and you can't consume enough media when when things start up. And uh, I, I feel the same way. You know, I'm not a big draft person. I'm more talk. I, I more talk about uh, ramping up in season. So I don't know a whole lot. I I agree with um vass in the consensus that i'm not really all too excited about an inside linebacker in round one josh Bynes came in and helped revolutionize and and uh get the baltimore ravens back into gear in terms of their defense by week four when he you know he signed in after after all the struggles by by week four and i'm more along the lines of finding blue chip talent elsewhere and building your defense not from the middle not from middle linebacker you know i like building either front to back or back to front i don't want to start in the middle i don't think that having a star linebacker is as important as it used to be when you know in the in the 90s and early 2000s where ray lewis was a quarterback of the defense in the sense that that's something you build around he was also a blue chip ultra talent and top three all time so it's a, there's a lot of factors, and I'm, and I'm branching off on a lot of tangents, but I'm not thrilled about the middle linebacker round one pick at pick 28. Yeah, I'm kind of not really into it either. And I'm, I'm generally with Voss on the uh, don't you know go with less position or positions of less value, uh, especially early on. Uh, I also – but you know I wouldn't want to see them – a shoe picking a great player just because the value positionally doesn't line up. So if they think that a Kenneth Murray could be like the next 
CJ Mosley, I'd be fine picking him in the bottom of the first round. Uh, but the consensus does not kind of seem to be there on that guy or Queen, who's the other guy that uh, they were talking about. Uh, been a lot of wide receivers mocked there recently uh, as well. Um, I don't think the Ravens website article really hit on that. So I think that's another position that uh, you're going to want to be watching. And then obviously uh, offensive line is kind of always something that you want to be looking at. And with Yanda's status still kind of in flux, we'll see what happens there. But moving on. Last piece of news, Joe Flacco's Super Bowl 47 performance was named the fifth best in the history of the Super Bowl by Pro Football Focus, uh, with them writing that the question still remains as to whether or not Flacco is in fact elite. I can answer that for you guys. He's not. Uh, But regardless, he still owns one of the best Super Bowl performances we have ever seen. Flacco had an 86.5 passing grade in his Super Bowl 47 victory. He stayed with the play better than any of these quarterbacks. On throws where the time to throw was longer than 2.6 seconds, Flacco had a 93.7 grade with a two big-time throws while completing 11 of 15 attempts for 170 yards and two touchdowns. I wrote on this article, and uh, I got a, I got a lot of content on this. I put some work into prep on this stuff, so I'm gonna be firing off for a little bit here. So what I originally all right, I'll wrote just lean back this, and uh, start tipping on my beer. You can go ahead. All right, sounds good. Uh, I actually touched on the some still argue as to whether Flacco earned the Super Bowl MVP trophy over Jacoby Jones, considering Jones also ran back the second half opening kickoff for 108 yards. But these stats don't lie. The stats being what you just mentioned. Also, I did write up on here that Joe Flacco's stats were 22 completions on 33 attempts, good for 66.7% passing, threw for 287 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and was sacked only twice for 13 yards. That was against the front, you know, monster defense of consisting of Justin Smith. Alden Smith, Ahmad Brooks, Navarro Bowman, and Patrick Willis. Those were four all-pro linebackers, I believe, if not just Pro Bowl. And he was highly successful. He produced at a rate that is absolutely incredible. And I wrote also that um, of the highest quarterback rating games by Joe Flacco in his entire career, his passer, you know, his quarterback rating was only higher in six regular season games. The highest quarterback rating by Joe Flacco was 149.7, which was his five touchdown game against the Bucks back in 2014 that we all so vividly remember because it was incredibly exciting. His quarterback rating in the Super Bowl was 124.2. That is a top 10 performance in a Super Bowl all time. I went through every single Super Bowl and I checked the passer rate and the quarterback rating of every single quarterback that started or also ones that didn't start like bob lee back in 1976 i believe is uh i think he came in as a backup it was fran tarkenden did not play quite well in that game and uh it was a top it was literally the 10th best quarterback rating in a super bowl the only individuals that were better were phil sims joe montana matt ryan in 2016 actually had 144.1 uh, Troy Aikman, Bob Lee, Steve Young, and Doug Williams. Those are incredible names to be next to. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Troy Aikman, Phil Sims. These are all incredibly talented quarterbacks. And having a top 10 quarterback rating in the Super Bowl is quite an achievement. He only had one better playoff game that was a higher QBR, and that was the wild card matchup against the Colts in the same playoff run. So Joe Flacco was at his best in the playoffs, as we know, and he only had one better 
rated game in quarterback rating in his playoff career. And that was on the same playoff run that he did. It was incredible. I mean, we all remember just how spectacular he played during that entire run, but specifically against the, what was, I believe the best defense in football that year in 20, in, you know, in 2012. And he stepped up, he played out of his mind and won a championship. And if it wasn't for the lights killing for 34 minutes, you know, he would have thrown him out of new Orleans. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, probably one of the better quarterback performances I can remember. It's another thing we're going to talk about actually, uh, in the Super Bowl, and not even just being biased there, especially, I mean, definitely the first half, like it felt like as a fan, like, holy shit, they're going to run away with this thing, like going into mm-hmm. it, uh, with, I think a 28 to six lead at that point prior to Jacoby running the kickback to open the, uh, second half up. But yeah, man, it just felt like he couldn't miss that entire playoff run. And uh, that first half was uh, something of legend. Uh, he did enough to keep him in it in the uh, second half, but it definitely felt like the lights going out. It was kind of waking up from a dream as a fan. Like, oh, wait, he's th- he's just Joe Flacco. Again. Like, <laughs> we got we got to win this game and he's Joe Flacco again. That's not a good thing. But ultimately, I think it's pretty cool that he winds up in the annals of history there. I still like Joe Flacco a lot as a person. I know he kind of isn't necessarily looked at as positively around these parts by some people, but uh, he did a lot for the franchise. So it's cool to uh, still see him be uh, among the conversation, among the best in the Super Bowl, especially since uh, it took him so long to get there and uh, he killed it in the only chance that he got. Absolutely. I mean, just I want to I know we all have our own personal feelings against Joe Flacco or with Joe Flacco, but I just like to remember that playoff run and remember how you felt every single game, you know, going, you know, up against the Colts and the brand new shining star talent that is Andrew Luck was in there and the Ravens defense played outstanding, but Joe Flacco also crushed it, had his best, like I said, playoff quarterback rating. Then they go and compete against the Denver Broncos, and it was absolute madness, and he went throw for throw with Peyton Manning and two <laughs> return touchdowns from the from the Broncos, and then they go into the new you know, New England and he competed against them, and you just had confidence in him. You believed in him, and it was fun to watch Baltimore Ravens football during that time, and he capped it off with an outstanding game against San Francisco 49ers, and it was a fun time to watch. So that playoff run is always, I believe, a little bit too elevated, but it should be up there and be high for Baltimore Ravens fans and just football fans as a whole. It was it was quite a spectacular run, and it deserves to be praised. Yeah, and it's one that uh, you definitely look back on a little bit more fondly now after they just boat raced the entire league through the regular season and just (laughs) crapped out in their uh, first effort in the playoffs. Uh, Kind of doing it in the reverse was, uh, you know, pretty miraculous and pretty cool. But uh, I guess that's all we got on news unless you got anything else you want to throw out there, big dog. No, that's uh, that's all the stats I got for now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you got plenty more. But jumping into some discussion, I wanted to hit on this a little bit. This game, like I said, it's got a weird feel. Who are you rooting for? I'm rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I like both teams. I like some of the players from both teams. But overall, uh, I have uh, a few simple reasons and a few strong reasons as to why I'm rooting for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, What about yourself? Uh, I am as well. Uh, I don't know if that's like the necessarily the main thought held by Ravens fans right now. Do you got any your reasons why you're rooting for them? 
I do. Um, first off, they're an exciting team to watch. It's super fun. Uh, even if you aren't, if you have a vendetta against the Chiefs and how they've been the only team to beat Lamar both times that they've faced off against each other and and uh, everything. But they're an exciting team to watch. You see similarities with Lamar's career and Patrick Mahomes winning an MVP, uh, being the exciting new faces of the NFL. And, you know, I think that they have somewhat similar career arcs and i think it's going to be great to watch these guys battle it out for the next decade hopefully in um afc championships or in in what so have you in the playoffs it's gonna be really fun to see these two battle as for like my really strong reasons why first off terrell suggs got to be the main reason as to why i'm rooting for the chiefs i want him to win that second championship i want him to completely and totally solidify himself as a not only a hall of famer but a first ballot hall of famer i believe he is but i have purple tinted glasses in my perspective a little bit of stats he has 12 and a half playoff sacks in his career that's two sacks from tying Bruce Smith for the second most playoff sacks in NFL history. And if he were to come up with three and a half sacks, that'd be absolutely bonkers. But it would be pretty awesome to see that um, him tying Willie McGinnis for the most all time. Uh, my final reason uh, is in partnership with this. Hopefully Terrell can do three and a half sacks against Joe Staley because I'm not a fan of Joe Staley and the reasons uh, something I've already posted in the Slack chat. I see you laughing uh, is already in the Slack chat and it drives me mad. I have, I'm really butthurt about something that I've never experienced that he never said to me, but that he said to Tory Smith. If, if people don't know the story, Dude, I'm pretty sure he said it tongue in cheek. Like, I don't know, man, I, I don't care. I think, I think that's annoying. Nonetheless, um, it, it, uh, this was wrote on BaltimoreRavens.com. It was quoted, from Ryan Mink on Twitter. I assume he's the one that wrote the article. It doesn't say because their website went through that um, change. So it kind of edited their um, what it looks like and everything it says at the bottom. This article has been reproduced in a new format and may be missing content or contain faulty links. So that's why I can't see the editor on it. I assume it was Ryan Mink who wrote it. But the quote on here says, Joe, uh, Joe Staley, quote, we were in the huddle and he looks at me. This is Tori Smith talking. Joe Staley, we were in the huddle and he looks at me and was like, you didn't deserve that, Smith said. We kind of talk trash about it every once in a while, but it's definitely a sensitive subject. I'm still glad that I was on the winning side of that, but I think that change happens. Telling Tory Smith, who's now on your team, that you competed against in Super Bowl 47, that he didn't deserve to win and didn't deserve to win the Super Bowl is maddening to me. I, I it drives me mad. It, it's frustrating. You nobody deserves to win a Super Bowl. I mean, Tony what, Gonzalez what, didn't win. What deserve else, to win what, a Super Bowl? What else is he going to say? Like, hey man, great job. You deserve I just, that. I, I don't think that you say deserve. You know, I don't think like they hey, won man, the hey, game. Hey man, great job. You, you, you earned about that. It. You won it. Great, great job. No, you, you don't. You don't get to say you didn't deserve to win that. That's that's petty. And I think that's low, like, that's not something that Joe Staley is about. You know, he's always looked at as, like, this great leader and to say, like, you didn't deserve that. Well, Joe Staley played on dog shit teams for, like, the first, like, several years of his career. And then they finally Mm -hmm. turn it around. They go all the way to the Super Bowl and he loses. So I could understand him having some raw feelings about that. Also, uh, Anquan Bolden gets shipped there in 2013. Apparently, he spent that entire training camp, like, talking crap to them about uh, the fact that he got a ring and they did not, which is pretty funny. Which is awesome. That's Anquan Bolden. But saying that, did Joe Staley deserve to win the Super Bowl? 
I think he did. Yes, I'm going to go ahead and say it. He deserved. Oh my goodness, to win. you're crazy. You're crazy. This is wrong. Nobody deserves to win a Super Bowl. Ed Reed didn't deserve to win one. Randy Moss I, d- didn't I deserve to win, win a Super one. Bowl. Nobody deserves to win a Super Bowl. You earn it. You win it. You earn it as a team, as a player, as a as a franchise. You earn the Super Bowl. You know, look, look at look at Bootstraps Barber over here telling people uh, they they have to go out and earn it. I love that. You do. You know, you, I didn't deserve to be the managing editor here. I didn't deserve to work at the coal mine in Gillette, Wyoming. Like you don't deserve any of this. You go out and you earn whatever you get. You have to go and earn it. You can't just sit and be deserving of something. I don't deserve a better car. I earned a better car. I earn, I like to believe I earn everything that I get. Yes. A little bit of fortune and right place, right time, of course, is a part of it. That's, you know, that's, part of life but you got to go and earn things you got to you don't deserve it and especially not the highest accolade in football you don't deserve it that's you that earn it. that's that coal miners mentality i can just picture you with like soot on your face and like your lunch pail and your hard hat just sitting there talking to joe staley about how he doesn't deserve anything he has to go earn it he'd, he'd crumple me into a shell of a man <laughs> if i ever told him that face to face obviously but nobody er, you don't deserve a Super Bowl trophy. You don't deserve a Stanley Cup. No, I know. I know that. what you're saying. I'm just it drives me nuts. I'm completely baffled by like how triggered that makes you. I hate it. I, you earn things. You I go out. It. And I, I, I just love it from nothing. the perspective that I get to watch it drive you nuts. <laughs> well, thanks. So that's why I'm rooting for the Chiefs, and that's why I'm rooting for Terrell Suggs to blow past Staley three and a half times or more, so he can get the record. He can. Be Joe Staley in the process, and the championship will go to Terrell Suggs, and then he can get that first bout Hall of Fame. Yeah, okay. So I'm pretty much – I'm with you for all those reasons. I pretty much wrote all those down. Uh, the last one I had was it would just kill me to see Andy Reid just, you know, crap the bed on yeah. a big stage again. That'd yeah, be that'd tough. be really tragic. He'd just be sitting there all sad with his mustache and his Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> like he like screws up some like fourth quarter call like time management call and of course it's time management too. yeah the Niners just drive down and just crush the clock with their running game and he's just standing there like befuddled it's like come on Andy like we're doing this again that'd make me really sad as well I agree yeah so I'm definitely rooting for the Chiefs I know that's probably well so the thing about it is like Spencer hates the Chiefs and Mahomes but he's like a he's a little bulldog on Twitter yeah like, he's going back and forth with their fans and like talking all the shit and like do get into the Mahomes Lamar debates. I'm re- I'm really not deep into that stuff. I kind of I'm, I wouldn't say I'm above it. It just exhausts me to get into it. So I don't. So I kind of have no ill will towards them. So looking at it objectively, I just think the Chiefs are a more fun team. So I'm I'm rooting for them. I would agree with that. Yeah. I I right now I'm still in the boat of we have two great quarterbacks to watch uh, with Lamar and Mahomes, and you can appreciate them without comparing them. And that's why I kind of stay out of the debate as well. Yeah, pretty much. It's just exhausting. But uh, last topic we have here, we wanted to hash out our top five favorite Super Bowls. Sound good? Yes, I am all about it. I do want to hear yours first, though. Sure. So my first one, I kept them pretty much all within probably the last decade, I would say, maybe a little bit longer than that, because, I mean, favorite Super Bowls, you kind of naturally should have been alive to see them, I guess, was my mentality. But my fifth one was... 44, I believe it was 44 in 09 when the Saints beat the Colts. 
that was a really cool one. I think after the Katrina thing, that's something that that gets touched on in their documentary. Uh, you know, the NFL Network, where they make one for every team. Uh, how the city mm-hmm. was still kind of in shambles even five years later. And uh, I'm my family's from or my dad's family is from Baton Rouge. So I have a good sort of connection with uh, the Cajuns and my last name is weird and uh, it's just cool. (laughs) My grandfather was like tried and true one of those people. So it's just cool to see them win one. Uh, I was still mad at Peyton Manning three years later for knocking us uh, the Ravens out in 06 in that playoff game. So I was definitely, uh, I had a vested interest in rooting for the saints and to see them do it in the way that they did with the ambush uh, onside kick call after uh, halftime and then <laughs> Tracy Porter picking Peyton off for the pick six to win the game. I thought it was pretty sick. So uh, that, that's my number five. I'll take it. Um, I think my number five was uh, the Green Bay Packers win over the Steelers. Um, I love that Aaron Rodgers. I actually listened to that game on the radio oh, that's cool. when I was working at the super tunnel car wash because I couldn't get that shift off. And my, my entire family are Packers fans and just hearing Roger, he was, he was an absolute phenom. He was the number one on the PFF, uh, quarterback performances in super bowls, by the way, to those that didn't see that, um, the links on Baltimore beat down too, if you want to read that article and then go through there to see all the quarterback performances. Uh, I think that was something special. Rogers was just lethal. Everything he did, he was, you know, what essentially the perfect quarterback. And in his prime, he was just a dominator. And I really enjoyed listening to that Super Bowl when it happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, for me, my fourth one was Super Bowl 42 in 2007. First one I remember walking away from legitimately like shocked. Like I was probably, I think, 12 years old at the time. So, you know, still kind of getting into the the run of things with sports. And, you know, I was pretty freaking mind blown that an 18 and 0 team would lose it all, uh, much less in the fantastic style that they did. The awesome fourth quarter kind of started the legend of Eli Manning and the, de- the debates that we're having literally right now about his Hall of Fame candidacy. I think he does go into the Hall of Fame with this game being a big part of it. Uh, kind of a boring game throughout. People forget, but that fourth quarter was just awesome. The David Tyree helmet catch. Uh, Joe Buck, I'm a big fan of, uh, did not do a great job uh, in that game and on that drive specifically. So that's something that kind of weirdly sticks out in my mind. But uh, yeah, one of the first ones that I vividly remember walking away from being like, holy shit, that was awesome. That's actually in the same spot as mine. Um, that game is absolutely bewildering. I was rooting for the Patriots, to be honest. Um, I wanted to see the undefeated team. That's what I was it looking been forward cool, to. Yeah, nineteen and zero. Yeah, I wanted to see the the legend of a perfect season. I wanted to see uh, it all culminate towards this victory, and unfortunately, did not do so. I wasn't a big, you know, New York fan. Um, I don't really care for Eli and. Uh, it was it was shocking. That's absolutely true. But um, I was rooting for a good game, and it certainly delivered. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, third one, Patriots big theme here. Uh, Super Bowl Fifty Two. It's the most recent one. Uh, Eagles over Pats. I think forty one thirty three was the final score. Uh, Nick Foles shocks the world, and it was basically a ping pong match on grass. Like they were just going back and forth. It was like a Big Twelve game. And I hadn't really seen a Super Bowl like that. It's only been a few years, but I haven't seen one since, obviously. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, really awesome to watch, uh, especially with the whole Nick Foles storyline coming in as a backup. 
you just love to see guys like that succeed just genuinely good dudes who are kind of the underdog uh so that that was a really fun one for me uh that uh, i enjoyed a lot and still it feels like it's gonna have staying power with the whole philly special and everything people still reference that so uh for me that's that's a big one that's probably going to be sticking around in my memory for a long time yeah that play is is legendary in its own right um, that was actually my number three as well. I, I don't think we'll have the same number two, us. though. Paul Rudd here. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> Who thought we'd be here? Who Not me. Who would have thought? Not me. <laughs> but, I, I mean, that was awesome. Um, I was in a house full of Broncos fans, too, and they just love to root against the Patriots. But more so, I just moved away from essentially living in Philadelphia. I know it's Wilmington, Delaware. It's 30 minutes out, but everybody – is a is an Eagles fan there people are there yeah names. and in northeastern Maryland too like uh mm-hmm. Cecil County and all that there yeah a lot of Eagles fans out that way yeah it was it's all Eagles fans you know the streets were going crazy and I lived in um a, in a in Trolley Square in Wilmington Delaware and that place just was was nuts it was it was filled with Eagles fans screaming and roaring and celebrating and stuff um I wasn't there at the time obviously I was like I said I was in I was in Denver um watching that game but I, I got all the snapchats from all my friends over in that area and it was it was absolutely wild um the eagle like you said the philly special anytime that the they run a similar play in the nfl now it's called the the philly special ran by blank you know like the baker yeah, special whatever when special, baker yeah. mayfield ran it was like the baker special it's the philly special but they just change up whatever insert team or insert player name it's the special Sneaky, you know, sneaky great name for a play. Like Philly it special. Is. Yeah. Yep. All right. My number two, hopefully you don't have this. I don't think you will. I actually have the Patriots beating the uh, Seattle Seahawks as my number two. So do I. No way. Yeah. No. Hot oh, yeah. Damn. Go ahead. Fantastic. Um, I, I like rooting for the Patriots sometimes, and I especially liked it when – the Seattle Seahawks were all the rage and everybody loved them and they all sported brand new, you know, Seahawks jerseys. And I was living in Gillette, Wyoming, and it infuriated me because none of these Seahawks fans were there two years ago. And I was at I was at old Chicago and I was just rooting for the rooting for the Patriots. I like watching um, a dynasty at times, you know, when it's not built like the Golden State Warriors were. I didn't like watching them then. Um when they became, you know, when they picked up KD, it was no more fun. It was it was watching the underdog LeBron James overcome yeah. the super team. But um, I, I liked watching Tom Brady and the Patriots, uh, you know, fight against this superstar defense of the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson and everything. It was awesome. Um, the uh, the Butler did it was a legendary play to me and to the NFL as a whole. It was it was awesome and and crazy to watch that putting yourself in in Brady's shoes and watching, you know, as the Manningham catch, the helmet catch, all these crazy plays are the only ways that it looked like he could be beat in the Super Bowl and it almost happens to him again with the shoulder catch that was falling down and everything almost went to hell and uh watching that that Super Bowl was just incredible. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I'm kind of with you in that I don't watch or don't hate watching the Pats always. It's, you know, annoying because their fans can be kind of insufferable at times. But uh, I, I really don't have any hate for Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. I just think they're they're good guys, just all about football for the most mm-hmm. part. I mean, I, I definitely 
am a little, you know, shaded out by some of the cheating stuff they have going on. But I think for the most part, they're just good dudes. I don't mind rooting for them at all. And right. uh, it's, you know, two guys that you're going to tell your kids and grandkids that you watched back in the day, just like my dad and grandfather told me they watched like Johnny United. So mm-hmm. it's interesting from that perspective. But as for the game, like I don't think it's a stretch to say this is maybe the best game of football I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. The quality was so high on both sides of the field, on offense, on defense, even special teams. And uh, just some of the plays that were made like by Russell Wilson right before halftime, just kind of marching them down the field like out of nowhere. And then he throws a touchdown to that guy, Chris Matthews, that was on the Ravens of all teams <laughs> a few years later, who had a great game in that. There was a touchdown to Chris Matthews with like three seconds left. You thought they were just going to kick the field goal, but no, they went for it. So. To me, it's just a game that had it all. It had great quality, great talent, great coaching, uh, big time decisions, big time plays. The score, it wasn't that Big 12 type matchup that I was talking about with the last game, but there was just enough defense and a good amount of offense that uh, it felt like just a very complete game all the way through. And then obviously with the twist ending, and I was not rooting for the Patriots in this game. I was definitely rooting for the Seahawks, but uh, to see it happen in that way, it was cool. Like I said, I always root for you know, underdog stories and for a guy like Malcolm Butler, who was an undrafted free agent that year to just kind of step onto that stage and make a play like that. It's uh, it's very cool. And uh, it kicked off this second run of you know Patriot dynasty that. Has carried us all the way up to this year. This, I think, is the first year that they're not going to be represented, except for one, uh, the Broncos and the Panthers that one year. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, pretty pretty interesting that that sort of kicked off that second era for them. And like I said, maybe the best game of football I've ever seen. It was incredible. Just that that game winning, game ending drive of the the Seahawks driving down and just watching as because I believe up until last year or until the Eagles game I can't the Eagles or the the Falcons game I can't quite remember um Tom Brady had been four for four on the last time he was on the field he left his team with a lead in the Super Bowl and that is I believe a a huge and true mark of being a, a successful quarterback is when you left for the last time on the field you left your team with a chance at victory you know and he he had done so yet again and it was on the backs of his defense to make the play and to stop them from 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 scoring and from winning the game you know he left the field as the greatest chance of being a champion and to watch his face and to watch the game in disbelief of it's it's going to happen again it's going to happen again a crazy play a crazy catch something just the storybook ending isn't going to be so storybook for himself and, and to watch Malcolm Butler's play on the, on the goal line to watch the disbelief and all the brand new Seahawks fans in Gillette, Wyoming just be shattered was, was pleasurable on that drive by the Seahawks. There was right before the two minute warning, there was like a 30 yard swing pass to Marshawn Lynch with like Jamie Collins covering him. He just gets wide open out of nowhere and just dashes down the field. They open the two minute warning literally at the 50 yard line. They hit, I think they get into a third and 10 and then that, uh, who was it? Was it golden Tate or, I believe it was Matthews is the one that had this, the the crazy shoulder check catch, right? No, it wasn't Matthews. Who was it? It was, um, I might've been Tate. Um, no, I think it might've been who, what? No, it was Jermaine curse. 
So Jermaine Curse had that crazy catch with the, the bobbling it everywhere. And it's like, oh, my God, like, yeah, this is exactly what you're saying. It's going to happen again. They're just going to run the clock out. And it was exacerbated by the fact that Belichick was not taking his timeouts. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, you got to stop the clock and get your guys some time with the ball here. But for whatever reason, he just let it wind, wind down. And he say he says to this day now that he, like, saw something and he's like, yeah, you know, I was just trying to uh, – Trying to exploit some strategy. I saw something in their the way they were running their <laughs> offense that they, uh, we could definitely uh, take advantage of something and just we're on a Cincinnati. But I was like, yeah, no, like there's no way. You just like blacked out in that moment. You were so mad that you were about to lose and you just kind of let the clock run. And that's okay. You made a mistake. You're a human being. But at the end of the day, it was uh, something that nearly cost them. And uh, thanks to Butler, it did not. But I guess enough on that game. What do you have at number one? I think we might agree here, but uh, go ahead. My favorite Super Bowl is, of course, Super Bowl XLVII, the Ravens beating the San Francisco 49ers. It was a crazy game. The Ravens were about to blow them out completely and totally. The lights go out. Jacoby Jones return. You know, that entire game, that first half was was magic for Baltimore Ravens fans. Joe Flacco stepping up and hurling that super superstar touchdown to Jacoby Jones. Um, it was it was everything you could have ever asked for as a Ravens fan. And then to watch it almost crumble in the second half, lights go out, fumble happens with Ray Rice. Um, they're driving down. Haloti Nada's out. Frank Gore is punishing the Ravens, and for the defense to make a goal line stand on the shoulders of Ray Lewis, Ed Reed. Jimmy Smith as well. It was it was spectacular. Uh, the Ravens taking a, a a self-inflicted safety using the rule of, well, if we hold them Classic for as long hearts. as possible, what's going to happen? You know, what's going to happen if we hold them? They're going to give them the safety. Might as well hold people as much as physically possible. It was genius by the coaching staff, by the players, by the team. It was nuts. It was fun. And it ended with my favorite team, the team I write about, the team I root for, winning and hoisting their second Lombardi trophy and seeing the photo of Ed Reed holding that trophy like a like a newborn child is just the the, the perfect ending for uh, this top five list for me. So it's number one for me, too, with a bullet, obviously. It felt wrong as a Ravens fan, like I mentioned earlier, going into that second half, just having completely shit pumped them and being like, <laughs> we're just going to run away with this thing. And then it, you think back to Super Bowl 35 and it's like, well, they did it, you know, then why don't they just do it again? And you're pretty confident. <laughs> and then Jacoby runs the kickback and it's like, oh, my God, these guys like we got this like it's over. But you wouldn't have it any other way as a Ravens fan that that same game is the game that literally almost kills you. Like your heart is mm-hmm. just pounding out of your chest. You think you're going to die. It's like, oh, my God, are they going to blow this thing? And yeah, it was just everything went right. And then the lights go out. You're sitting there for 30 minutes, completely pissed off about losing the momentum. They, the lights come back on. All your fears come to fruition and they just start completely doing the same thing uh, to you that you were doing in the first half to them come all the way back drive all the way down to the field to I think the four yard line and they have four consecutive goes at it. And you're like, all right, like pretty much the same thing with the Belichick. It's like, all right, if they score here, it's not going to be the end of the world, but they got to do it quickly. Otherwise they're not going to get any time to maybe drive down the field, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is something that isn't really talked about. I mean, people talk about the fact that they would have won that game if they had scored there, not necessarily, 
in the bag because they would have had to convert a two pointer to even make it a three point game. So very likely that Justin Tucker could have wound up kicking one, but the, with the way the offense had played in the second half of the Ravens also not entirely a done deal. So you never know, but I'm glad that we didn't have to see the answer, but yeah, after the way that 2011 had ended, uh, I've told the story before I just got an ACL surgery right before that Cundiff game. So I was sitting there watching it on like, Vicodin with like no movement in my right leg as like a <laughs> depressed little 16 year old like watching my my favorite team just blow it on the biggest stage or second biggest stage in the sport and uh, I thought that was about as low as it got and I was sort of right I mean there have been worse seasons since then uh, a 5 and 11 year stands out you know as a, <laughs> as a year that's maybe not as bad as when you go to the AFC championship game at so it's all about perspective but following that and then going into winning the Super Bowl in the most miraculous way possible and uh, sending Ray out with a ring. I know people look at Ray in a little bit of a different light right now, but I was totally swept up in it at the time as a 17-year-old kid. Uh, so it was just uh, the most fun uh, Super Bowl run I could have asked for and definitely my favorite Super Bowl to this day. Yeah, I mean, that game, you, you're rooting for these these legendary veterans to win to win their first Super Bowl, you know, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed on the San Francisco 49ers side. It was Randy Moss was on that roster, Frank oh, yeah. Gore. And if you talk about people that, quote unquote, deserve rings, these are people that are brought up in it. And and you wanted to see, you know, one of one of the, you know, one of those teams was going to win that Super Bowl. And it would have been fun to see either of them finally get that championship. It's obviously Far better that we, as Ravens fans, got to see Ed Reed and Suggs and everybody win that championship as opposed to the other team. But it was it was special. It was exciting. Um, you actually mentioned earlier the uh, Super Bowl 35 victory. And while it's going through the quarterback rating stats of everybody, uh, Kerry Collins has the second worst that I could find quarterback rating in a Super Bowl. Uh, do you have a, a guess on how low that quarterback rating is so quarterback rating is that the espn one or is that the passer rating no it's the quarterback rating at zero to 158.3 i'm gonna go with 65 7.1 damn is that uh gannon <laughs> what's that is that gannon in the buccaneer super bowl no that was that was Kerry collins he had 7.1 so that was he the lowest or who was who's the absolute lowest Oh, the absolute lowest was Craig Morton in 77. I believe he went four for 15. Um, I believe it's for 28 yards, and he threw four interceptions. And it was and 1977, so they won the game. <laughs> Not quite, unfortunately for him. He had horrible uh, Super Bowls. His name was on both times in very, very low stats. But, yeah, Kerry Collins didn't do so well against that Super Bowl 35 defense. And uh, that was a note that I definitely wanted to include. But overall, I can't believe we had that close of a list. I'm, I'm a little upset by that. That shows a little bit of uh, our um, recency bias. Are we, are we too good of friends is a question. Do we need to start spending more time apart? Yeah, I guess that's it. You know, I won't be able to hop on the podcast for the rest of 2020. Yeah, it's okay. We weren't <laughs> planning on getting you back on anyway. But <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. You've uh, you've done a fantastic job here, buddy, running on almost an hour. Um, before we do get out of here, just want to quickly throw out there this tweet from Adam Schefter in relation to the Tom Brady tunnel tweet that uh, Shefty is saying, I'm told that this tweet is not related to Tom Brady's football future. Repeat, not related to his football future, but the speculation sure is fun. So what the fuck is this? 
garbage is what it is. It's it's stealing a media narrative around this Super Bowl. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's I'm a good saying point. it. Yeah, no, he definitely is. He saw that there's not a ton of buzz around the Super Bowl uh, for various reasons, and he's just trying to capitalize. He's a content guy. He's just like you and me. Content. Gotta get that content. Yep. Me, you, and Tom Brady, exactly the same. But uh, yeah, buddy, thanks not. thanks a ton for jumping on here. A little bit of short notice. Spencer was uh, unable to as he's having some mic issues right now. So uh, great to have you on as always. You got anything you want to plug with the website or your social before you get going here? As always, uh, first off, shout out to my mom. Uh, second, my Twitter is at BB underscore Kyle P. Barber. Follow us on Twitter at be more beat down follow the pod at podcast beat down love hanging out with you and and spencer when he's on here it's a blast um read the articles um become a member comment on them join us it's a blast and uh make sure to subscribe to this um as for anything else i gotta plug on i'm good man i just i had a i had a fun time being on here i really enjoyed it and uh Hopefully when the time's right and we got some content and stuff, uh, I'd love to join you again. Absolutely, brother. Well, uh, hopefully you'll be out here for training camp. I don't know if you want to break any news if that's in the works, but uh, hopefully uh, see you in person around that time and uh, we can, you know, maybe do uh, one of these things face to face. What do you say? That sounds great. You know, I'm definitely down to to come up there. My plan is, of course, to be back there for training camp this season. Um, I want to go every single year. My plan is to go every single year. It's always, um, you know, I got to email Ravens PR. We got to talk things over, see what my plans are for it, see how it fits into my unfortunate school schedule because I'm still grinding college. Um, Still doing those keg stands. Just definitely not. Definitely not. But um, yeah, I'd love to join you in person, face to face, have some more drinks, have some more crab cakes, have some more seafood, love being out in Maryland and, uh, hopefully it'll be here sooner than I think. Absolutely, brother. I'm sure it will. And, uh, it's a blast every time and it was a blast to have you on, but, uh, for now you gotta get going. So, uh, have a good night. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me on. All right, buddy. Bye. Cheers. You see, I, don't, I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running from down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. You in the gutter. You yeah, I like you that. You in the gutter. I like that bump and grind. He like the trick work. That boy like to get down. Down and dirty. I like busting up screens. I just like hitting quarterbacks. That's what I'm saying. That's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>